0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the CX Cast. This is Sam Stern, joined in studio as always by Jenny Wise. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. And we are very excited. We have a special guest on the line with us today, Christy Langdon, who is the head of customer experience for Daimler Trucks North America. Christy is one of our speakers at CXNYC next month, June 11th and 12th, a big Forrester customer experience event. Hi, Christy. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. First, Christy, can you give us a little bit background on the company? And would love to hear too sort of the CX origin story for Daimler Trucks.
1: So DTNA Daimler Trucks North America is part of the global Daimler organization and we design and build those cars as well as large commercial vehicles. So on the car side that's our Mercedes-Benz brand. On the commercial vehicle side in the United States at least that's our Freightliner and Western Star brands. We also happen to make school buses. Our vehicles are both over the highway vehicles so those are the ones that you see delivering freight from point A to point B and we also focus on vocational vehicles and customers, and those are the large trucks that have a job to do. So they might be doing something like mining or forestry work. So those customer segments are actually quite different and unique. We sell half of our vehicles directly to our large customers, and then the other half through a network of our dealer partners in the North America's region. So as Sam said, we began our CX transformation efforts just a few years ago, and really actually in, in Partnership with Forrester. You guys have really held our hands along the way. In fact, we use Harley Manning's book, Outside In, really as our playbook to guide our CX transformation effort. We are building out a voice of the customer program focused on measurement as well as making sure we're clear on our strategy and prioritization. We're building out a design practice and then next is enablement, so making sure our employees are enabled. And then lastly, the culture piece, ensuring that every single employee in our organization understands that they have a role to play in our customer experience effort. And a couple of years ago when we started down this path, our CEO communicated to the organization that CX is going to be a part of his legacy. So it's been really wonderful to have his support along the way. It is a monumental shift. I mean, I feel very early on in the journey, if you will, in that transforming an organization that thinks of itself as an engineering and manufacturing organization Mm -hmm. to one that is becoming more customer-centric, it's quite a shift. And there's lots of obstacles and opportunities present themselves along the way.
2: When we tend to talk to companies who either are in a business that was not digitally native, born from the internet, not a direct-to-consumer brand or a B2C brand in that sense, they tend to think, oh, digital transformation and customer experience transformation doesn't apply to us. But it sounds like you guys overcame that perception. It sounds like the CEO was helpful with that mandate. Were there other things that you recognized or that made you guys want to focus on CX?
1: Well, I can share my personal story, which is there's an element of kind of serendipitousness. I arrived at this organization coming from the banking industry, and one of the things that I first noticed is that even in our very strategic conversations, nobody was talking about customer. And Mm. so that was just an Aha for me. And I've been at DTNA now for about five years. And for the first couple of years, that was just a point of curiosity. But then I landed in a role that was more customer facing, and I was exposed to the field. And more directly to our end customers and began to see some of the challenges and hear directly from them some of the challenges and storytelling around what it's like to do business with us. And so with that exposure, I, in a very grassroots way, began to engage with some colleagues and we began to socialize the question should we formalize our customer experience efforts? And we had a few leaders who were very empowering and let us explore. And what I mean by that is kind of learn from other external organizations, go to a couple of Forrester conferences and learn what others are doing. And that landed us back in a formal presentation to our board and the serendipitous piece is that when we went to our board, and I'll share the key messaging that we presented there, coincidentally, the week before, our newly appointed CEO had just taken a whirlwind trip of visiting with customers and so when we arrived in the board meeting and said, we believe there is a return on investment associated, let us tell you what that story is, he was quick to say, absolutely. That customer visit certainly served in our favor. But our pitch was this we are smack dab in the age of the customer, and the whole landscape is changing. And our customers, while we are in the space of B2B, they're shopping on Amazon, they're getting their groceries delivered in a couple of hours. And that, believe it or not, is changing their expectations that they have with us. And so, you know, we could continue with status quo, and perhaps that means Kodak or Blockbuster or or some other, you know, organization who was laid by the way side or we could be open
0: to change. It's really interesting about the serendipity piece with the mm-hmm. CEO having just returned from that whirlwind tour. I will say, though, that we are seeing more companies where leaders like that are saying, okay, yeah, I do need to send a strong signal that we are valuing the voice of the customer, either by listening in the call center or bringing customers into a company meeting or even reading emails or correspondence from customers, but doing something like that where I think more companies than might imagine could have that same type of serendipity because leaders are doing this and giving you that opportunity where you'd go to them and you might just hit the mark, right? Oh, they just got back from that or had just responded to a customer email and so can feel at that moment that this is something that we need to take seriously.
1: Yeah. What we learned from that was really incredible, and it has certainly put our whole voice of the customer program at a very high priority. In fact, one of the things that we're doing to that end is building on a program called Day in the Life, Mm -hmm. where our CX team is serving as a matchmaker between field employees and home office employees, where our home office employees can go out into the field and go and see what it's like to interface with customers and what it's like to walk in their shoes and they're coming back with all kinds of creative ideas and wow I had no idea that's what it's like and observations and and sharing that and so there's a lot of momentum when you get people exposed directly.
2: Yeah it's amazing how quickly everyone can build empathy with a customer and also how it can remove some of the assumptions that everyone is making right? Like, oh, this is easy, That's or this must be what the visit is like, or of course people understand how to place this order. And then you just hear from them a few times how hard it is, and it can completely change your perspective. One of the things you oh, just yeah. mentioned, though, that was interesting was this buddy program. And for companies less bought into CX or the importance of that sort of face-to-face interaction with the customer or talking to the customer or even employee in a different part of the organization, how do you get the buy-in to give employees that time, right? If it's not their core focus, function to get that time yeah. to really talk and get to know the customer?
1: It really starts at the top and it trickles down from there. The fact that our CEO is consistently talking about the importance of customer experience and when he's highlighting this program as something that he supports his direct report investing in, he's us up for success.
0: Christy, one of the concepts or ideas you shared with us that I had not heard put this way was that leadership experience, LX, drives employee experience, EX, which drives customer experience, CX. I'd often heard EX driving CX, but not that LX, leadership experience, put in front of it. Can you talk us through how you're thinking about that, LX to EX to CX?
1: You know, it's kind of funny that you're asking me those questions, Sam, because the answer is that you really were the...
2: The way it oh, came out. Sam newsletter. set that up for himself, <laughs> yeah. then, didn't he? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> oh, no. listeners, will, it. listeners will never so believe that I wasn't just setting myself up. <laughs> <about them.
1: laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, as I said, we've been at this for a couple of years. Our first year, the, the messaging that we relayed to our employees was really about listening with empathy to our customers. That was our starting point. The next And the next messaging that we wanted to pursue to our organization was really about EX drives CX, employee experience driving customer experience. And so last fall, we hosted our second annual CX Day where we bring in customers to the organization and we bring in subject matter experts to talk about that year's theme of our CX transformation. So we invited Sam Stern to join us and Sam had a really great conversation with our CEO Roger Nielsen. And one of the questions that Roger asked Sam is, what is the one thing that often stands in the way of organizations successfully achieving CX transformation? So Sam's answer was, it's often that Frankly, you said it's the middle management mafia. It's often that layer where things get stuck. So we actually spent a lot of time discussing what that meant for us and how we wanted to act on it because we said, you know, as we were reflecting on the day and the discussion that you, Sam, had with Roger we wanted to say we need to show that this conversation was the catalyst for some change on the front of employee experience and we needed to be very careful in calling some of our colleagues middle management mafia and we decided to translate that to leadership and kind of expand the definition of leadership with the assumption that you lead from where you are. It doesn't have to be a senior leadership position. What I began to observe is that after that discussion, we had leaders throughout the organization saying, you know, I am absolutely empowering my team. Empowerment is big and I get it and I'm doing it. And then we would talk to the employees on those leaders' teams and they would share with us, you know, I actually don't feel empowered. When we are in operations mode and it's go time and there's a deadline, I feel the opposite of empowered. So in an observation of this disconnect, what leaders intended to do Versus the behavior they were demonstrating, we said, well, that's a problem for our, you know, customer experience transformation effort. So we wanted to engage our leaders in a conversation around what leadership behaviors are going to ensure that employees feel empowered. So at that time, we began to explore, well, what other organizations in the universe of CX really get the importance of leadership and where that landed us? was at the doorsteps of the Disney Institute and They have a program in which they engage organizations such as ours that really supports our model of leadership experience, drives employee experience, drives customer experience. And it's really targeted to both middle as well as senior level managers around what specific leadership behaviors do I need to demonstrate to ensure employees feel empowered. And it taps into a lot of what you talk regularly about, Sam, which is employees cannot feel a fear of retribution. They have to feel free to make mistakes, and leaders have to ensure that they're setting the vision and communicating expectations and holding their teams accountable, but to be empowered and to flourish. And that's kind of the opposite of the old command and control style of mm-hmm. leadership. And for some in our organization, that's a new concept. So we've opened up the conversation. And the other thing that I will share on that front of LX, DX EX, drives CX, is we're learning the importance of leaders collaborating, leaders working together across silos and demonstrating the behaviors that they're asking for in their employees. So there's this great story that Disney shares in which they have two leaders, one from the creative side and the other from the operations side of the organization. And they tell this story in which they decided that they were going to demonstrate to their teams that they were going to assume the best. Of each other, and that they were going to commit to this new way of collaborating to ensure a better customer experience. And what they share is that it was hard, it took a long time, they had to stay at it for five years to really get their teams to buy in and believe that this was the new way. And so that's a story that seems to really resonate with our leaders. And so, one of the things that we're planning to highlight as we plan for this coming year's Customer Experience Day at our organization is looking for leaders within DTNA who are doing just that, who are collaborating, who are walking the talk and demonstrating the behaviors that we're asking that we know will ensure employee empowerment. And there are actually quite a few that we're finding. And I think by sharing those stories and calling those out as new ways of doing business that will support and enhance our customer experience, we're hoping that that will help others be inspired and we'll see more of that.
0: I love that story. Christy, you all took... From something I said, something I didn't even know I was saying. So I think you made it much more of a profound insight, which is that the leaders needed empathy, too. And you extended it to them, that they needed help making this change, to be leaders who can proactively empower their people, not just say they're empowered, but know exactly what to do. And as you said, as you rightly called out, I think the bright spots piece of that is such an important part of the equation to say. Well, what does good in our organization look like so I can be inspired by an example that I know is possible here because it's happening here today already?
1: There's one thing that you just said, Sam, and that is approaching our leaders with empathy is an important piece of this. And I think that's really so true because it would have been easy for us to kind of point a finger to our leaders and say, it's your fault. You're not empowering your team. When come to find out, no one has really engaged our leaders and said, these are the behaviors that we're asking of you. So we're expecting things of them, but so far we had not really shown them what we're asking of them. And so this exercise with the Disney Institute and these thought leadership conversations really helped us to clarify and align with them on what the ask is of them and what their role is in this effort.
2: At the end of the day, a lot of employees are tied to the way that they're doing their job because they have specific performance metrics that they're trying to meet. Right, things that their management is asking them to deliver on, things that the company is asking them to deliver on. So when this shift occurred with how people were working and what they were caring about and allowing people to be more customer-centric and spend more time with the users and take this new approach and not be afraid to fail, was there also a shift in metrics that occurred? Either the metrics that were being tracked at the organizational level to say these types of risks and this new way of working is going to provide company benefit, or metrics that that were being given for each individual employee.
1: One thing that occurred to me. I just want to qualify. Yes. Like we have not successfully completed all that I just outlined. It's going to take us. Some time. Just last month, we finished with a series of workshops with the Disney Institute, where the messaging was LX drives DX DX. So we're still figuring out, okay, now that this message is out there, how do we continue to build upon it and keep it alive? And the only way that we measure elements of that so far is we participate in the Great Place to Work survey, which is an annual employee engagement survey, and. The biggest opportunities that we see as a result of the feedback in that survey are in the realms of collaboration and community within the organization. So in the past, We've asked the question with employees, do you feel customer-centric? And most of our employees are beginning to answer yes to that question. Then we ask, do you feel empowered? And we get mixed responses. Then we ask the question, do you feel a sense of community and or do you feel it's easy to collaborate horizontally across silos in the organization? And the answer is even fewer yeses. So we see some opportunity to explore that further, but as far as measuring more specifically than that, we haven't done that yet.
2: Yeah, but it's a long path. So I'd imagine it would take a while for (laughs) metrics to catch up. But it is great that there are those employee metrics that you're measuring, that are are seeing those shifts, which you can begin to measure, right? Because perceptions can change and your day to day reactions to how you are in your job and how your company is treating customer experience and empowerment can change much more rapidly often than the metrics that define job success change. So that's a great place to start.
1: So, you know, we're two years into our transformation. And our customers are saying things like, "We appreciate your listening. We do feel the activity, yet we don't feel results yet." And so that's one of the things that we want to engage Forrester with. How do other organizations get through this period where you know you've launched your CX effort? There's a lot of momentum, but then you know there's another program to your There are other distractors along the way, and it's hard to maintain focus and clarity. And if we don't get focused quickly and in a very organized way, we're going to continue to hear the same thing from our customers. They're going to grow frustrated with the pace of change.
0: Yeah, a great question and one we get a lot and one that if not answered in the right way is a common starting point to your CX transformation off-ramp. Mm-hmm. Which is to say that it's it's yeah. a sort of, you know, excuse and not even an excuse. It's the good reason, frankly, people will use to say, well, let's maybe back off on these efforts because we're not seeing the return. I will ask you a question to, to try and help answer the question you posed to us, which is a good one, which is, The listening you've done and the activity that's happened and the changes you've made for customers, would you say you've meaningfully addressed some of their feedback or is it that you're sort of building up to doing that? You haven't quite addressed it yet.
1: I would say it's the latter. We have not addressed it adequately. So that's what I spend a lot of time thinking about. How do we satisfy, even if it's just one big win, I'd rather have one big win where we carry the ball all the way to the finish line versus a lot of CX efforts, 80%.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good instinct previewing what you're talking about the forum the idea of storytelling is if you can tell a story of this came out of our authentic empathetic listening to you customers Mm -hmm. this insight or this problem and here's what we did to try and better diagnose it here's what we did to solve for it and fix it here's who was involved and here's what it looks like now and here are the results and here's what you've told us is better about that part of the experience or that experience that is Really powerful. So, if you haven't completed any of those big wins yet, at least to preach patience to employees and to stakeholders, is to say, look, we need to get one of these things done. And then, if we are still not moving the needle, still not getting credit, maybe we do need to revisit our approach. But Mm -hmm. we need to see one of these efforts through to know if this really is going to work or not. And then, the second thing I would add to that is there is a real challenge often with cognitive dissonance, which is that if one thing has changed, but it's just one of many, people are going to discount it as a exception or as a one-off. And what you want to spark for them is cognitive dissonance. You want them to notice and to be unsettled by it and to be conscious of it. Oh, wow. Daimler took that piece of feedback and made the substantive change. This is different now. I see it. Mm -hmm. I notice it. I'm now looking for a new pattern. And if the next data point will tell me, and and we're, we're actually pretty quick to jump to conclusions once we're looking for them, the next data point will confirm the new pattern that I was looking for, rather than me being skeptical until I've seen four or five or six examples of that new pattern. Once you have that first one over the line and you're getting close on another, that's when I would be reaching back out to customers to say, look, we made this change based on your feedback. Here's the next one that we think we'll have ready to share with you. But we want to highlight that we're really following through on this and we're working at it so that that conversation sparks that cognitive dissonance for your customers.
1: Yeah, I quite like that. We've been very successful with our storytelling efforts thus far. In addition to surveying, we also go out and visit one-on-one with our end customers, as well as our dealer partners, and we're curating a little TEDx-style video library of the voice of the customer, and we leverage that as we're training our employees on how to use design thinking as a new approach to solving problems. And one of the things that I'd love to see as our employees are beginning to workshop more using these tools, the design thinking tools, is rather than starting with assumptions, they're starting with that voice of the customer. And my observation on that is that it's so interesting how quickly disagreements fall to the wayside when you start with voice of the customer and they can so distinctly state, this is the problem and here's why it's a problem. That really empowers our teams to solve the problem faster.
0: I love your insight. It's a lot harder to have a my opinion versus your opinion argument when we're both trying to look at what is a client thinking, what does a client care about, and using that insight to guide where this project goes. Well, Chrissy, this has been great. And we thank you for for joining us on the CX Cast, and also in New York uh, next month. So thank you on both counts. Listeners will post links to a couple of the relevant pieces of research that sort of underpin the conversation we've just been having with Chrissy. Goodbye for now. Thanks to our colleagues, Amanda Chen, for recording and mixing the episode, and Will Wilsey for editing and publishing. And listeners, if you have questions, feedback, comments, or suggestions for new episodes, please email us at cxcast at And remember, your customers' perceptions are your customer experience reality.